Well, Miss Sarah Schaefer, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Caleb? I'm doing good. Yeah. yeah I'm glad you're here. It's not a wonderful day outside today, but we're here and it's warm and that's the important thing. You know, I was talking about these clamps before, yeah. and of course, like five seconds into the podcast, like it, 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 off, it broke off the bottom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's Not fine. today, Satan. Well, All I right. mean, it's, it seems to be holding steady. We seem to be carrying on, so I think that's okay, right? We're good. Okay. Yeah. So first and foremost, I am curious. I I, I know that like a lot of people probably know you, have seen you do like paintings and things mm-hmm. like that. A lot of cool different things as far as art goes inside of the jar. But what I'm curious about is how did you come to be at the jar? Hmm. Okay. So uh, my husband and I, so Waylon is my is the name of my husband, uh, we were going to another church um, about just over a decade ago, uh, 10-ish years ago. And um, it was no longer really fitting with what we wanted in our community it didn't really follow along with everything that we believed uh, as we were starting our family and and it was it was not that uh, it was bad church or anything it just we were what the community wasn't what we wanted anymore and that was a really really hard decision uh, to leave that church but we ended up uh, kind of looking around trying to find a, a community that suited us and we heard a radio um, advertisement for the jar and we checked it out and I remember the very first time we came here uh, there was a collection for someone's house that had burnt down and like it just really felt like this authentic community that really cared about the people that were there and were reaching out to all sorts of different different folks within the community it seemed to kind of fit alongside a lot of our belief system uh Mm. the music was wonderful like we just we walked into this was when we were at the y and in the gym and we walked in it was just like yes this is it just felt good and uh so we started coming and then chris was open and connected with us and uh, we got connected to a small group and you just everything kind of snowballed and here we are so yeah that's awesome yeah were you uh, were you or Waylon kind of like did you guys go to church like before like your whole lives are you like a like I don't know there's names for PKs but is there are there names yeah. for people that have just been going to church their whole life well I, church kids church kids <laughs> Christians. Yeah, yeah. Christians yeah yeah so um, were you a, were you a church kid so Waylon was and I was more of a Christmas Easter kid oh, growing okay. up gotcha. um, so my family went to church some but not a ton and. Uh, when I did go to church, it was one of those things where it was more of a like a turn or burn kind of churches, and it felt very judgmental and it, like you don't know your Bible verses, how dare you? you know? And I didn't know them because I wasn't going to church, and so I had this growing up this feeling of like fear, judgment, not acceptance kind of thing, and and I I felt that a lot of Christians I had met were hypocritical, and uh, that uh, I just I didn't didn't find that community and then i met waylon waylon schaefer it's <laughs> a great man <laughs> the man i married um and uh he started to really speak to me about christ and um how important it was to him and how uh he wanted to move forward in his life with christ and he wanted to share that with me and so in that time, like he grew up going to church, uh, his parents are not um, 
not churchgoers necessarily, but his grandmother was. And so he would go with his grandma to church all the time. And so he really attributes his faith to church with her as a child. And uh, I really attribute a lot of my faith to Waylon taking me to church and helping me find that community and see people that were not hypocritical and um, not feel judged and know that it was okay that I didn't know things, that I needed to learn them. And I feel like there are some places where you get this idea that you have to feel you already have to know things. You already have this pre, you have to have a pre-existing knowledge to be here and be settled mm. versus a growth mindset where I'm here to learn. I don't know yet. And uh, I think the jar especially is a place where it's okay to not know yet yeah. where you can learn. And that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's, that's the deal. Yeah, I know, like, it, it's crazy that, like, especially people that are um, not super familiar with, like, uh, churches, plural, like yeah. the way that different denominations do things. Totally. Because, like, little things, such as, like, wearing jeans to church. Right. Like, you, you might not ever think anything about that, but, like, that's, like, that's not okay some for places. Some, for so. some places, yeah. And so, like, like, the, I totally get what you're talking about, like, going to a church that is, a little, like, way more traditional, mm-hmm. and then coming to a church that, like, might not follow the exact, like, right. dress code or right. certain traditions. It might not sound like a huge difference, but it's a huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah, it's a, it's a big thing. And, and so. you know, that it was like going back to when I left the church before I came to the jar. That church was the church I got baptized in. So that was like, uh, it was an incredible. Like I don't, I don't speak about that situation as an easy thing or easy decision. It was mm-hmm. very, very tumultuous and very, very hard to leave that community. But we also are very, very grateful for the community we found. And I, like I said, that was like 10 years ago, maybe 11. Like I I know that we were here when I was pregnant for my daughter, uh, who's nine years old now. But I don't remember how early, how much before that we were coming to the dry. So it was at least a decade ago, <laughs> maybe 11 years. I don't know. Old I am. <laughs> oh, my God, Caleb, I am. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like. No, you're not old. I'm, uh, so I, I, I'm not old, uh, but <laughs> I, I am, but I'm not. And the great thing about looking with the face that I have yeah. is that folks pe- think that I'm much younger than I am, wow. which I get a little frustrated about. So, like, like, Do you get carded at like the movie theaters when you go to see a rated R movie? I mean, I, I have children, so I don't really go to many <laughs> rated R movies. Um, well, you never go to the movies without your kids? <laughs> I never get a babysitter, man. <laughs> but, Just embrace my joke, Sarah. Gosh. Yes, yeah. I get carded <laughs> when I go to... <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, so, um, you know, I... I connect with communities of older older people, people who are older than me, mm-hmm. um, and I am connecting with the uh, Muncie Artists Guild, and uh, it's a lot of wisdom in that room. And there's a lot of folks that are, you know, um, older than I am, and uh, some of one of the older gentlemen, he, I was talking to him, and he was just like, "Oh yeah, so you a Ball State student?" I went, "Nope, I'm graduated in 2007 from Ball State." He went, "Oh, I thought you were 19 years old." And I went. Nope, 37. Yeah. Been married for 13 years. Got two kids. (laughs) (laughs) Which I suppose is a compliment, but... I hope. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Oh, not 19. Um, And it is a compliment, but at the same time, sometimes when we look at youth, we look at inexperience as not being professional, and I want to be taken as a professional in the things that I do. So, for me, I'm like, I, I like to, like 
be on the line where if I'm walking around campus, yes, use I am one of you versus like when I'm out in a professional situation, yes, grown ups, I am also one of you. Yeah, so let's get into that, the things that you do. Yeah. You do a lot, Sarah. I do a lot. That's true. So tell us about it. What all do you do? Okay. Well, um I guess like I'll start personal and go professional. How's that work? Let's hear it. Great. Okay. Uh so I am a wife and a mom. I have two kids. Uh, as I said, I've been married for 13 years uh, to Waylon Schaefer, that great guy. Uh, my two kids are Zoe, who's nine, and Gus, who's a year and a half. And uh, they're awesome and cool kids and so smart, and it's awesome to get to watch them grow. Like, mm-hmm. the person that Zoe ha- is becoming is just so exciting and and just really cool. Like, I was talking to someone, and they're like, wow, she sounds she sounds just, I was like, yeah, she's awesome, man. She's way cooler than I am. And uh, getting to watch Gus do the same thing is going to be great, too. Um, so, and then, so that's kind of, you know, family. Uh, I am an artist, and I... I love to do all sorts of art. So I'm an artist that sells and creates work, has uh, local shows, uh, takes things to places to sell them, things like that. I'm also an art teacher. I taught at Cornerstone Center for the Arts for five years, um, teaching non-traditional students. Um, So at one point, my youngest student was two years old, and my oldest Mm -hmm. student was 92 years old, which is amazing. A little bit of a difference age gap. You know, but... That age gap was so wonderful because I got to see people starting out experiencing art for the first time at all ages. The thing that I saw that was really cool about Mm -hmm. those two vastly different age groups is that they needed me and really appreciated what I had to give them, even more so than the traditional classroom age kids. Because those, you know, those two-year-olds, this was the first time that they were in a classroom, the first time they were listening to anyone who wasn't mom or dad. That's pretty cool. And the folks that, uh, most of my, 92 was my oldest student. Most of my adult painting students were ranging anywhere from 50 to uh, maybe 75 at the oldest, usually in the 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're folks that have retired and just really wanted to get into art but hadn't had a chance to. And uh, they, again, have that idea of a growth mindset. They're wanting to learn. Uh, one gentleman that was in my class who has passed away, who I missed, I miss very much, um, his, uh, his name was Larry. And uh, he came to my class after his wife passed after a long battle of cancer. And... Um, he just wanted a community. He wanted. Mm. He was a Vietnam veteran and started to use painting as a way to help with his PTSD. Now, he was going to therapy, and he was already doing all of those other really good mental health things. This was just another facet of that. And he just was, he became almost like a grandpa to me. I'm really sad that he's gone. <laughs> um, but I also think that in that time before he passed, uh, we, we became kind of a family, like my yeah. group of people. Um, and, uh, and we all like got together and went out to lunch to celebrate his life after he passed. So it's just this really cool community of people and I love them. Um, so that's art teaching. Uh, and then I'm also an arts advocate. So I've worked, um, I worked at Cornerstone as a teacher, but then for three of those five years, I was also an arts administrator working in the education office, um, planning programs, facilitating things like 
projects and classes and workshops and events, stuff like that. Uh, currently, I'm working at Muncie Arts and Culture Council, doing some similar things uh, with the Play Space Residency and then the Box Box program uh, through Muncie Arts and Culture Council. And I painted two of the control boxes, which is also very cool. Yeah, so for all the people that don't know, like, yeah, um, I'd love all to the talk box, about it. all the, yeah, yeah. I, seriously, let's, let's get into <laughs> it. Well, I didn't want, I wanted to wait till after you were done with the, with the yeah. list, but I did want to get into that. I yeah. wanted to bring that up. Um, like, just really quick, so where yeah. are your boxes at? And can you explain, like, for people that don't know, like, what those, absolutely, the box project is? So, um, Muncie Arts and Culture Council, the shorthand of it is Muncie Arts. So if I say mm-hmm. Muncie Arts, that's what I mean. Um, is an organization that is helping to connect artists with ways and places and organizations to do art. And so one of the most visible projects, and probably to date the most visible project we have, is the Box Box project. So that is the traffic control boxes that are in intersections throughout Muncie uh, that are have been painted by local artists. And those local artists range from you know, teenagers, to um, groups of people, to professional artists, to artists that are just starting out in their career, to, you know, just every 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 stage of an artist is welcome to do this. It's, there's an application process, so there is a bit of a, you have to, like, say you're going to do the thing and then really do it during um, the spring is an application, and then uh, during the summer is when they get painted. Uh, so in my role right now is I help to connect artists um, to the box that they're going to paint, give them some tips, and uh, uh, prime the boxes. I worked with a team of people to get the boxes primed. So we did 23 boxes this summer, uh, and we have a total of them that are 70 that are painted all over town. So 23 just this summer. Wow. Uh, yeah, That's it's amazing. a lot. One day I spent uh, with, like, two other people, we primed uh, we work together to prime 10 boxes. And then uh, just recently, I've been top coating the boxes to help protect them um, from both UV and graffiti. And I top coated 10 in one day and was just like exhausted and dirty and tired. And <laughs> went home and was like, Ugh, gross. But, you know, how About how, about how many them. hours, like, uh, would you say, like, one box? takes yeah from uh, start to finish okay so that really ranges from artist to artist so if you look at so my two boxes i didn't answer that question so let me go back to that yes uh the two that i have completed i completed one in 2019 uh and that was at riverside and tillotson it is a cardinal with some peony blossoms around it uh and then the second box that i created uh, I created this last summer, and that is at the corner of McGalliard and Wheeling. And that box is actually in honor of Diamond Heels Hattie, who was one of the members of a pioneer family, so one of the first families in Muncie. Her husband was a physician. They owned a lot of land, and they donated the land to a, for a dollar to the developer, who then made the neighborhood that's right back there. And the neighborhood worked together and uh, raised the funds to sponsor that box uh, and pay for that creation of it so they got a little bit of say in the design process and working with Muncie Arts and Culture Council. They had sought me out and said, hey, we like this other box that you did. Will you come up with a design? And I said, sure, here's the design based off what you told me. And that's what we did. Yeah. So that one is um, these stone pillars that are very important to the neighborhood that were on the property originally. Uh, a diamond 
studded high heel shoe because Diamond Heels Hattie was famous for wearing shoes with diamonds in the heels. Um, I mean, it's a pretty descriptive nickname, I suppose. And then uh, some flowers that were based off of Dresden China, uh, which was a China pattern that she used when she had her very fancy parties. So that's what that is. It basically is flowers and pretty and bright. and. Gotcha. But it also has a deeper meaning for those in the neighborhood and hopefully her family as well. Um, I've, they don't, most of her descendants don't still live in Muncie, but I'd heard from the Neighborhood Association president that he was hoping to connect with them to show them the box in honor of her. So that's cool. So in your role um, from kind of art administrator mm-hmm. to art advocate, what are the main differences that like you have noticed in that transition? Well, I mean, I think in some ways I use those terms interchangeably um, because I'm an art art advocate all the time, whether I'm getting paid for it or not. Like if, if, say, you and I are having a conversation, as we have in the past, and you're like, yeah, man, I'm going to go paint. And I was like, yes, Caleb, you should paint. So I'm always advocating for people to express themselves in any form of the arts, whether it be music, dance, uh, theater, visual art. Um, but it, uh, arts administrator is more of that technical working in an office. I spend more time on Squarespace than I do like actually making art within my job job. But Squarespace is really user fam- friendly, and if I can do it, anybody can do it. Which is great. <laughs> A lot of like website what? creation. They're like sponsoring this or something. <laughs> Sponsored by Squarespace. Yeah. <laughs> You're like wearing a Squarespace shirt. <laughs> like I don't know, just off the top of my head, Squarespace. It's really easy and it's friendly. Hey man, <laughs> you know friendly. what? Getting a little like uh, paid content doesn't ever hurt the YouTube page. Well, regardless if they are not, they're getting it now. So. I mean, I just have been using the site. That's all. I'm just, it's ha- hashtag non-spawns. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> so like throughout COVID, have there been like what's like major challenges inside of like. I mean, the local art community? Uh, Well, so I was kind of pulled back a little bit from the art community just a hair during COVID because of, well, COVID. And uh, because the day that everything shut down was also the day I gave birth to Gus. So I was on maternity leave um, from Cornerstone and then uh, when COVID started and then was going to go back, but because of the crazy world that we are living in and wanting to also take a chance on myself and do more of my own art and be at home a little bit more, a little bit longer. I decided not to go back. And so uh, I actually had a full year at home with Gus, which was really cool. And I made and sold a lot of work um, last year from mid-October to December. I made, I painted like 23 or 25 pet portraits and sold them to people all sorts of places. Well, mostly locally, but Muncie in, in Indianapolis is kind of where they pet went. Portraits, so pet portraits. Like you come in and like they make their dog or pet just stay still? No, they sent me pictures. But here's the thing, Caleb. I didn't realize that I was painting a lot of pet portraits that had of pets that had passed until after the fact. I'm like, hey, could you get maybe a clearer picture of this animal? No, they, they have, they're not with us anymore. They're, Okay, cool. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so it's a it's a big responsibility um to be creating something to memorialize a pet that's no longer with us. Yeah.
like you you didn't get them before, just like throughout COVID, you just started getting a lot of pet. Well, pet yeah, it snowballed pets. because okay. I uh, I never I hadn't really done one before, mm-hmm. and then uh, I did a couple, and I then I put them out on Instagram, and I was like, hey, if anybody wants me to do a pet portrait, there's the thing, and then I started <clears throat> getting a few more commissions for that, and so then I was like, okay, like let's market this. And so I put my prices out. I said, here's the thing. Here are your choices. Let me know. And uh, I also made them very not expensive uh, and just was cranking them out as fast as I could. Um, so it was, it, it was a great way to help supplement our income and for me to be able to still be working at least some, but to be at home as well. Well, Whiteland also is a writer. As well. Yeah, he I mean, is. He does a lot of cool stuff. He is. He's a well, yes. He is a writer, and uh, he has written a novel that he really wants to get published. We're actually reading it as a family right now together. Oh, so awesome. Zoe is getting to experience his novel firsthand, and like I've read it in the multiple iterations that he has written, and so now it's just really funny because like there's a thing that uh, he has that's written that. He that she's like, oh, this is what's going to happen, and it's really, really not what's going to happen. So we're like, what's she going to think when she finds out that that Russia invades and they all die? (laughs) That's definitely not what his book's about. (laughs) It ends with the premise of Red Dawn. (laughs) It's a prequel to Red Dawn. Now, now, Caleb. Um, So anyway, uh, you you could have read the book. You've had access to it. Someday you might, right? Yeah, I did. I just told you the ending. That's not the ending. uh, I don't know what you're talking about, but that's the book that I read. That's because you didn't read Waylon's book. Perhaps it was by some other Waylon. No, it must have been. I don't know. (laughs) 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 All right, so... With uh, with all that and the world changing, the craziness, something that you mentioned earlier, kind of before that, back when you were um, doing like the art administration, you referenced um, being able to experience um, people trying out art for the first time oh, yeah. and kind of re-experiencing it. So with the concept of like therapeutic art, mm-hmm. or, like people being able to do it, because like I, I definitely have a soft spot in my heart for mm-hmm. like people that are... Um, recovering with uh, with struggles of life, whether mm-hmm. that be like addictions or just like um, emotional or mental issues. Um, what do you think? What do you think that is like? Why do you think that there's um, there there is like therapeutic? Like, why do you think that art is therapeutic? Yeah. You know, because I know um, which you know my background. It's mm-hmm. more theater and music. Um, and I know I, I'm a big believer in, like, music therapy, but why do you, to you, I, I'm curious, I wanted to ask you that. Like, why do you think that, like, art has a, a sense of therapy to it? So I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And, uh, well, first off, I am not an art therapist officially. Like, there's a whole job of people that can do that and, and a whole field of study specifically designed to teach people to teach art for therapy, which I think is wonderful. And um, those that have that counseling heart, and really want to dig in for addiction or struggles of any kind and and can do that. I I just, I think that's amazing. Um, So, but in my not having the truest of true backgrounds in art therapy, but my my taking away of what I've seen and and kind of my own personal feelings, um, I think that art has, just has a lot of, it has power to to relax us. It has power to release. I think art, can be very therapeutic in that way. I've 
I've done that too where I've just been struggling or having a hard time and I've turned to um, the physical work of art, uh, painting or drawing to channel out those negative feelings, um, to get it out on the canvas, to paint out the pain um, because it's better to get it out than to keep it in. And other people will find other ways to get out those negative feelings, negative emotions, whatever that is. I mean, I think anytime you can do something physical, whether it's like running, whether it's walking, whether it's dancing, laughing, drawing, playing a guitar, singing, anytime we can react with our physical bodies, I feel like that can help us get out of the bad place and the hardness. Oh, I agree 100%. Like, I, I look at it. I mean, almost um, like shot for shot, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like I look at it like art is like art is like the umbrella, yeah. right? But it doesn't mean you might not be into painting, right? You might you might not be into music. You might totally. be into dancing. Totally. There's a lot of different outlets in that, but all those outlets allow you to channel, you know, 100%. A lot, like a channel a lot of emotions. And I think like, <clears throat> and I'd love to get your take on this, but like I think that there's a lot of people. I mean, everybody struggles with things. Everyone mm-hmm. struggles with anxiety, stress, mm-hmm. fear, depression. I mean, whatever it is, insert the blank. But there's outlets that everybody falls into. And there might be a lot of different umbrellas. But I think in the art umbrella, at least for me, and I think for a lot of people, there's like this unique therapy to it. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Like uh, like you can channel that in one of those outlets that we were talking about. Yeah. And it's just like a way to express yourself in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, do you feel like everybody because i know not everyone's inclined to the the art umbrella right mm-hmm. but like do you feel like everybody is um, cuz i want to stick with painting specifically cuz mm-hmm. i know like that's that's like your bag i mean art is art is your thing but like um, do you feel like everybody regardless if they are an expert painter or not um, or whatever walk of life they're into do you, do you feel like everybody possesses uh, their inner artist like their inner painter do you th- do you feel like everyone can do that Yes. <laughs> like as a skill. Yeah. I, really. I, well, okay, okay. So here's the thing. And, and you really. and I have kind of talked about this before because we both love Bob Ross. Mm-hmm. And, We've definitely uh, talked about dancing and the skill level of dancing. Yes. I will get to, I will get to yeah. dancing. Oh, because, we're going to get to dancing. Well, that's, yeah. a, that's a whole other yeah, TED Ross. Talk. That I have a whole other TED Talk about dance and <laughs> the importance of dance, and I'll get to that in a minute. We're going we're to get there. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to slow dance our way there. <laughs> so anyway, um, All right, so Bob Ross. Yes. So the prescribing to the idea uh, that art is for everyone. So I absolutely do believe that, and I have seen it firsthand. So not everyone is necessarily going to be a photorealistic painter, and that is okay. You Just because you can't or don't know or have not yet learned the skill to make something that looks identical to real life does not mean that whatever you're doing doesn't have value. I think... Um, I think back to those kiddos that I was helping to paint, like, and to watching Gus paint. Like, I let him paint for the first time um, last week. Now, he's been carrying around a brush uh, without any paint on it and putting it on our walls and putting And I'm like, oh, guys, it's going to be dangerous. We got to, like, I don't know. But I can tell that he wants to do, he has the spirit of an artist. He loves crayons. Like, I gave Mm -hmm. him crayons, and then I had to put them away. And he was like, he looked at me like, what are you doing? Why are you taking my colors? 
Um, but uh, giving him a paintbrush and some paint for the first time and just watching him swirl the colors and making movements and seeing how the the colors reacted to each other. Oh, like, there's such a joy to that. And the reason that I think people, because, because in, in my time teaching, I've also taught a lot of um, one-time workshops or painting parties, and I've taught all manner of people. I've taught young, I've taught uh, a little bit older, I've taught people that are really artistic, I've taught people that haven't done art since sec- sixth grade, you know, and uh, they there's always at least one person in one of those workshops, one of those one-time paintings, like a winding canvas kind of deal, that walks in and goes, I'm going to do a terrible job. I can't paint. I can't even draw a straight line. And so I'm always kind of ready for that person. And I tell them, you're going to do a great job. We're going to work on it together. I'm going to show you how to do it step by step. And it's going to be great. And if you have a problem along the way, that's literally what I'm here for. You're going to be happy with what you leave with. That's our goal. <coughs> and do, sorry. Do, you find, do you find a lot of people that say things like that? They're actually pretty talented. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes it's deflection uh, of perfectionism, and sometimes it's literally like they they are walking into a situation where they're not comfortable, and uh, maybe their friend brought them, or maybe they. And I think it's a way to subvert expectations, so that they, if it's not perfect, then well, I already told you, so I don't have to be upset about it. And I find a lot of times that it's women that are really hard on themselves. It's women uh, that are in the middle age uh, who are used to being good at things, who are uh, used to kind of knowing what the situation is. And any time we go into a space where we are uncomfortable, we're learning something new, and if we have a little bit of perfectionism in us, like we start to put up those walls, and that's what that is. And so my, as I see it, my job is to help them break those down and um, sometimes I am very successful in that. Sometimes I break it down a little bit. But hopefully, my hope is that maybe next time they go to one of those things, they won't automatically deflect. They'll say, maybe I can do this. And, and I've, I've seen some people start that way and then turn into, like, I can do this, like, mm-hmm. and, and be happy when they leave. Um, you know, so perfectionism runs deep, and it's really hard on us. And it's it's funny. I was um, I was talking to one of my friends who is in her graduate work to um, to be a community community educator, and she was doing a paper over uh, over education, non traditional education, which talked to me about art, kind of similarly about some of the things that uh, we've we've talked about. And uh, she said, like I said, those things about, you know, like perfection. And she's like, just like, just put my name in it next time, Sarah. Jeez. And I was like, <laughs> it's such a common story. And it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, if you put me in a situation where I'm uncomfortable, like, Sarah, go get that basketball and put it, you know, make a basket. Oh, buddy. Yeah. You're going to get me deflecting. You are that's not going to work. You know, so we all have. with your hands, do you? I do. Yeah, I do it, too. I can't help it. My hands just come up like Ricky Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know what to do with them. They they find a way to, like, like they have no goal. They just keep going up like like a hot air balloon. They're just going to keep going until something happens. Jazz fingers. Yeah. Yeah, like they're, like they're attached. They're going to stop eventually. <laughs> like, 
Like the, I don't know. That's like, why you need your guitar, because then you then you have a thing to do with your yeah, hands. Yeah. I would be lost without it. I'd be like, uh, oh, phrase. <laughs> what? It would actually be okay. Yeah. You know why? That's probably why, like Hillsong and Elevate, that's probably why they're doing that, because yeah. they don't know what to do <laughs> with, with their, their hands. So they're just like all these four, like formations. Yeah, it's probably, yeah. Yeah, done. Great. My mind's blown. Nailed could, it. Yeah, I could die right now, like knowing like the mysteries of the universe. I just realized <laughs> oh, that's probably why. They don't know how to talk or like do what they're, oh, that makes me feel better about my life. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so now, that was a nice tangent. No, yeah, I can't help it. It's just the things that are in here, they come out. Yeah, and so some of the things we were talking about with, mm-hmm. uh, like, family life and, and the awesome uh, experiences that, like, Gus is going on, uh, experiencing right now with, with art. Um, some of the other outlets in art, are, I know, for, like, for you are dance. Mm-hmm. So, like, are, uh, do, you, do you get to experience that still with COVID, like, with your kiddos at all? Or well, do you, you know. Do you teach them the ropes, show them the ropes? <laughs> Occasionally. There is okay. sometimes dancing in the kitchen. Uh, because that is the best place to dance in our house. Uh, we also, we did utilize a lot of Just Dance, the video game, while we were in COVID because, like, we we're all super into it. And Zoe, of course, has a lot of fun with it. Uh, but let me, welcome to my TED Talk about the importance of social dance. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, so, all right. So, backing it up a little bit, Waylon and I met through the Ball State Swing Dancing Club. Uh, back in the early 2000s while we were in college at Ball State. And um, that's really like the cornerstone of our relationship is that we met through a, a, a dance club. And uh, we got to know each other while we were dancing on the dance floor and fell in love on the dance floor. And, and so because of that experience with dance, um, I think that that really, it taught us, how to trust each other in a partnership. It's a, dance is, especially social dance, is a really good metaphor for life and partnership. There's a lead, there's a follow, and sometimes the lead changes, sometimes the follow changes, but you can see and sense where you're going together. Um, so, like, when dancing, if Waylon lifts his arm one certain way, I know, okay, that's, I need to, like, I don't even think about it. It's just automatic. And because those dance moves are universal, so say I would be dancing with my friend Mike, who uh, I danced with many times in the club, he would do the same move, and I would understand, you know, to go this way, move that way. And so it just became this this element of learning uh, appropriate physical touch uh, and physical communication through dance. We don't have to talk when we're dancing. You don't have to tell me, okay, I'm going, you're going to turn now because I just know because of mm. how I'm led or how I lead. Sometimes I lead rather than Waylon. And, you know, because when you're dancing, um, especially when you teach dance, which we have uh, for a number of years to lots of different groups of people, um, you have to know both parts. You've got to know the lead and the follow. And uh, that's what makes you a better dancer. So I think that's true in life is that uh, sometimes we lead, sometimes we follow. And I think there's a, there's a song that says that. Well, I was, I, about to ask, <laughs> I was about to ask about that, though. Because like, uh, you guys, have, you said you've been married 13 years, mm-hmm. right? Congratulations. On Thank that. you. That's pretty awesome. But I, I'm sure like that is not only like a metaphor, like a kind of a, a metaphor, the give and take with dance, but I'm sure that 
would, I would have to imagine that that would help yes. in, in like a relationship. Yes. Um, Literal and metaphorical. Well, absolutely. Well, and also like romantic and platonic too. Yeah. Like even getting 100%. to know somebody, there's yeah. always like give and take and sometimes, um, actually, uh, Chris was having a conversation with some of the, <coughs> Chris, our pastor was having a conversation with, he used the metaphor uh, mm-hmm. of, of dancing, um, as far as like relationships mm-hmm. go, like friendships, uh, yeah. you know, romantic relationships that sometimes there's give and take and yeah. leading and following. So, so yeah. So anyway, with that, have you found that kind of beneficial for you, you yeah. guys' relationship? Definitely. And so, um, we were teaching before COVID, we were teaching some swing dancing classes here. Well, before COVID and before I got pregnant, because once I got pregnant, I was feeling like I was going to barf all the time and uh, I couldn't turn and it makes it very difficult to dance. Wow, selfish. I know. I mean, there were some people that were pretty sad that we had to put our uh, lessons, uh, stop our lessons for a while. So hopefully we'll be able to start those up again. Um, but yes, we have definitely seen the benefits of that um, in our own relationship and in the friendships, relationships with other people. So we first, like I said, learned and both taught at the college like at the college when we were in the club and then after that we taught um, at a church we used to go to and there was a lot of older married couples and then um, I we we taught at a high school that I used to work at so you had a lot of like high school students and then we've taught here at the jar and so each of those vastly different places uh, and vastly different people had um, different uh, vibes to it, I guess. I don't know how else to how else to say it. It's um, each group had their own special collection where, like, the college kids, like, you were just trying to meet people, you're trying to make friends, so everybody's dancing with everybody else. The high school students, like, um, there weren't a lot of traditional gender roles. They were swapping, you know, a lot of like. Um, you know, boys would dance with boys, girls would dance, whatever. You just go. And then the married couples, they all, uh, like we sometimes called it marriage counseling um, because some of the couples got here, some other places, and, you know, um, the uh, the women would be like, I can't let him lead. He's going to do it wrong. And it's just like, well, let them try. Let's let's see if he can give it a go. So it just was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I do know a, uh, a young couple who's getting married soon who should come dance with us sometime. And we could, like, do a little lesson with them. Who are you? You seem to <laughs> You. Do you have COVID? Is that, is that what you know? I have asthma. Uh-huh. It's yeah. my asthma. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> I mean, okay, so like before COVID, I'm pretty sure Whale and I said the same thing. And sometimes you yeah. were going to come dance with us. but mm-hmm. uh, So you know. uh, remember back when I asked about people giving like the excuses, do you feel like those people are like actually hidden, like hiding their talents uh, uh, when they say like, oh, I'm not good at art? Mm-hmm. So like for, for mm-hmm. me, uh, yeah. okay, I'm, yeah, this that's is not, the, that's hey, what hold, on, hold on, it's not, it's not a pompous moment. It's not like I'm saying, <laughs> no, like, oh, you I'm are good. a good dancer. I'm not a good dancer. You are a good I am not a good dancer. I have watched Let you Let me dance. make my point, Sarah. So I... <laughs> I do not believe I'm a good dancer. But hold on, let me explain myself, okay? I'm not like I'm not like, oh, shower me with hate. I'm not a good dancer. No, what I'm saying is I don't think I would ever want to say like I'm a pretty good dancer and then like make a fool out of myself. Mm-hmm. I have such a fear of moving my body in a way in front of in public, in front of people. I just I don't know why. It just it bugs it like it doesn't bother bug me, but like the thought of it is just like it 
maybe I'm just in, insecure in those areas. I, I think that you are because I've yeah. seen you dance and yeah. like you're not a bad dancer. And you're not blind. So I'm like, not blind. So I and did not w- scar like I did not blind <laughs> you with with my rays of whiteness doing it. So, so. I think that with dance with everything else it's a level of comfort now if you're not comfortable dancing in front of people should would you should you be in a dance competition probably not but does that mean that you can socially dance where you and your partner are dancing and no one's really paying attention to you then yes yes you can yeah yeah that's the difference i think i'm just a couple steps behind that i think you know i'm i'm worried like everyone's going to be staring at me no uh not because like Oh, everyone wants to know what I'm doing. No, it's just like I feel like, oh, they're going to be staring at me because I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I am flat-footed. You know, like, like I, don't, I don't know. Like I, I, you know, I, you no, know you, I mean? the few times that you came to our lessons, because you did come to our lessons a couple of times, so I have firsthand knowledge that mm-hmm. you actually can dance. And uh, you were very light on your feet, which is not an easy thing to do all the time, especially for someone as tall as you are. Um, and, uh, you know, you have a sense of rhythm because you're a musician. So that also is also there. Um, and you also are probably afraid people are going to watch you because of your theater background. So if you kind of wipe that slate clean and know that when you're social dancing, when you and Jamie are dancing together, uh, other than maybe your wedding, people will look at you at your wedding. Sorry. I can't help you with that. Um, we could get blindfolded. <laughs> <laughs> or you could take lessons with Waylon and Sarah and then yeah. feel more comfortable. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that probably, probably, that would right, probably yeah. help some uh, to yeah. feel the comfort level. What is this? Are we psychoanalyzing Caleb? Is that what we're doing right <laughs> Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. That makes well, sense. you you asked my feelings about dance and art and true. and and, and it, it's it's true that uh, that those feelings are deep seated and I would say that mm-hmm. there are people that feel that the exact same way that you feel about dance. There are people that feel that way about yeah. visual arts, about anything. Any, yeah. Anytime you're doing something, it yeah. goes back to that growth mindset that I was talking about earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I don't feel that I'm a good dancer yet. Yeah. That I could be. Well, and I, I don't think it's just just regarding art. I think yeah. it's more of like a... It's everything. It's more like a character flaw <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Because it wasn't just a dance. Like, I used to be that way about singing. I would never... Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. That's insane to me. Yeah, I was, like, scared to death. To, well, not only scared to death, but, like, I don't know. It's like... Uh, I don't know. It's like it, you know, uh, really, it was really uncomfortable, like, especially doing it around, like, my family and stuff. Really? Nope. Yeah. When it comes to, like, music, uh, like, worship music, I think what is helpful for me is, like, I I can really, uh, like, lose myself in the music. Totally. And so I, um, there, like, at a certain point for me, it's like, uh, when I made the decision to kind of be all in for God. Mm Mm-hmm. I did. I just like. I think that there you gain a spiritual confidence, and like I want to be uh, a little more. I want to elaborate on that because like uh, you can be confident because you're filled with the Spirit. Because like you, you know, you're you're trying to live your life for God. You're just trying to put, you know, move forward for God. And I think that that gives you confidence. Um, not that I think like, oh, I'm I'm above this person. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, we're at different yeah. levels. No, we're in the eyes of God. I believe that we are equal. So like, that's not what I'm saying, right? right. So I just want to clarify. I don't feel like spiritual pompous or like no. spiritual confidence. And like, there is a difference. Like spiritual confidence. Like I, I think like my mentality is like, well, whatever I do, and it doesn't matter if it's me or anyone. Whatever you do, anyone in life, 
you will not make everyone happy. Someone's going to have an issue. Someone's going to have a critique. Someone's going to have something. Uh, they might think they could do it better or that it would be better if it was done in this way. That will be inevitable. Mm-hmm. But I think um, what I gain uh, with... Through, I, I want to credit the spirit with that is I just don't care as much. <laughs> I just don't care as much. And it's not a bad thing. It's right. not. No, so hear me good. out. No, I sound no, like a good. terrible person. No, no, no. I but, understand. But I, understand. I think that there is a healthy amount um, of care right. that you can have in things. And then there is an unhealthy care. And the yeah. unhealthy like becomes best friends with codependency. Right. And so Which for, is why I could never be a therapist because I don't have the ability to... To cut it off. To cut it off. Yeah. So, um, so for a long time, I was very codependent on like the acceptance and happiness of mm-hmm. people. I had to, and I still struggle. Like mm-hmm. we're talking about all the things that I deal with, anxiety and stuff. But uh, I still struggle with like some of that acceptance, and I, I, that's not a hidden thing. I talk about that right. a lot. But like, I want, I want people to think highly of me. But right. like, it's you have to realize, like, no one, it's impossible. Jesus was a pretty good dude. Yeah. Not everybody liked him. That's a good point. That's a good they, point. In fact, they killed him. Yeah. So a thing that happened. Yeah. So like, I, I mean, I use that even as an example. Like, I'm not going to make everyone happy, and so I have confidence in who I am, and that allows me to be able to just take a moment, like on Sundays or like in other areas of playing music, where it's like I can actually lose myself totally. in, in the words, in the music, and yeah, I just because it might seem like it's everyone is doing that um like it, it's a group activity which it is on sunday but mm-hmm. like sometimes for me it's it's a very like sometimes it, like in between the song it can be like a kind of an individual moment between yeah. me and god and so that's I, pretty cool i think i i totally Hopefully that doesn't make me sound like a terrible person no i understand what you're talking about because um you know so you mentioned that i do the worship paintings at the jar and um you know, I think that you can look back to a conversation you and I had before my very first uh, worship painting where I was so nervous as to, like, if I was doing it for the right reason, if I was doing it to worship God or if it was wor- or if it was like, oh, see what I can do. It's so cool. You know, and I remember you talking about, like, letting that go. And then I remember the first time I did it. Like I didn't even remember. I didn't, I lost myself in the painting and listening to the music and being with the spirit and right. and just and I went oh okay yeah no this isn't about me this is about God this is about worship if someone else gets something from it awesome yeah. it's as meaningful to me as it is hopefully to other people um, and I, I I remember that the conversation that you and I had that really kind of helped helped me move through that because I had a lot of anxiety but before uh, about the, the situation. Jar, before the jar, that was way worse for me. Like I, yeah. I haven't, um, I mean, earlier in life, like high school, like 16, 17, 18, like that was uh, when I was playing in bands and playing a lot of like out in different places, uh, different gigs and stuff like that. It's like I really just wanted the attention. Yeah. Um, and all of us did. It wasn't just uh, – I wasn't on my own on that. But I wanted the attention. I wanted that kind of gratification. And, right. and I was dependent upon that relationship with, like, the audience. And so that that is uh, what I'm trying to kind of address. It's like yeah. – I, and I think that even the way uh, keeping it uh, focused on church, the conversation, or the topic of what I'm saying, like, I think that we should even um, – yeah, I think it's sometimes more helpful when we even worship, when we when we can try to channel out the people around us. Because mm-hmm. I, for me, because I know the way that I worship, when I'm not singing, I'm like a part of the audience listening to like a, uh, a performance or listening to like uh, other people do worship. 
I often uh, struggle if I can like see a lot of people around me and I know they can see me. It's like I struggle sometimes being able to just like do my own thing mm -hmm. and lose kind of lose myself in the music. Mm -hmm. um, and so I like I encourage people to like just not even worry about the people around you. Just do yeah. your own thing and worship how you want to worship. And so um, I, I might have gone off on a l couple tangents yeah. there, but you know. Um, I know what we like to do is like typically um, we talk about verses here and like verses that mean something for us. And uh, that could be like today. It might mean something for you today or it might be something that is like your life first. But um, I was wanting to give you some time to share about what you brought in today. Yeah. So um, thinking, knowing that we were probably going to talk about my deal as an artist, I definitely wanted to talk about, you know, God as an artist and how we are his creation. So I uh, pulled up Isaiah 64, verse 8. And yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are formed by your hand. And, you know, I, I love that not only for the idea of physically being formed, you know, as, as a baby formed by God, but also we are formed by our experiences in this world, and and God is such a huge part of that. We are we are formed by the people in our lives, by the experiences that we have. They all make us who we are, and I just think that that's a really beautiful verse to say that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Cher, for sharing that <laughs> and being a part of this wacky conversation. Yeah. We love you. We celebrate you. And let the people know, do you have anything going on or people want to contact you for any of your artwork? Where did they go? How did they do it? Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, what's up? Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Caleb. Yeah. Um, so Sarah Schaefer Designs is my Facebook and Instagram for both my business page. And then um, yeah, I sell work. Uh, but, yeah, so the big thing is most current thing is always on my Instagram I try to show what I'm working on. Um, sometimes it's for sale, sometimes it's not. But if it, you ever want to buy a thing, just, like, message me um, or ask me. And I also do commissions. Um, I love to create work for people. And, and uh, yeah, so cool. it's been awesome hanging out at the uh, JAR Ministry Center where a lot of my paintings that I created are hanging. Like which that is one. Like that, <laughs> like one. that one. And that one. Yeah. So, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, we thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you for being a part of the podcast. Thanks for having me.